Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today is Christopher. Christopher, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Thank you for having me back. It's always great to talk to you, brother. It's always great. Can you uh, just catch us up on what's going on in your life, marriage, ministry? Certainly. Uh, I live in Cambridge in the UK. We're in lockdown, really, because of the COVID troubles. Uh, so we're not able to see our grandchildren. We have six. We're expecting a seventh grandchild any day now, but we keep in touch with them. We had a family Zoom meeting the other day, which was very funny. And uh, I work at Tyndale House, although that's closed, but, but we do a lot remotely. And I'm preaching um, on live stream from our home church, St. Andrew the Great. I'm trying to get ahead with writing. I'm writing a, a big Psalms project for Crossway, um, a three-volume commentary. I've got a book with Crossway on anger coming out with Steve Midgley. Um, should, should come out next year, I think, sometime. So lots going on, and I'm thankful to the Lord that I can do quite a bit from home, even uh, in these unusual days. Well, that's really great. I'm so glad you're able to work from home, and I, I know that you love to preach and teach and, and love to write, so that's that's really great. That's right up your wheelhouse, brother. Can you uh, just tell us about this, uh, this, this devotional commentary, Psalms for You, why you wrote it, and uh, how, how is it being received? I've had quite a little history of uh, love for the Psalms. So I wrote a little book on Psalm 119 a few years ago called Bible Delight. I wrote a couple of volumes for Christian Focus on teaching Psalms. And uh, then the Good Book Company asked whether I would do Psalms uh, for you. What motivates me is, is that it seems to me that the New Testament in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 assumes that Christian churches will sing Psalms. And uh, I've just been conscious that it's not easy to do that with understanding. And in particular, that uh, since the so-called Enlightenment, Christ has been eclipsed from much of our understanding of the Psalms, mm. certainly in, in academic commentaries. Mm. And so I'm trying to do my best to help us to see what it means as Christian people to let the Psalms shape our, our prayer life and our, our praise life. So it's a work in progress. This little book, Psalms for You, I hope will um, stimulate people, get them thinking in Christ-focused ways about Psalms. And uh, I've had a number of encouragements uh, from it. It's always hard to tell how a book is being received, but mm. people have been uh, encouraging and uh, I've had a number of people saying that it's been a help to them, getting mm. them to think in a Christ-focused way. So I'm cheered by that. That's wonderful, brother. You, you said something about the Enlightenment and the Psalms. Can you maybe touch on a little bit more on that for those who might not be familiar with that that uh, that idea? Yeah, sure. For the first three quarters of Christian history, up to and including uh, Luther and uh, Utsa, two of the great reformers, uh, it would have been assumed that the Psalms were one way or another about Christ. That was just the majority assumption that most people had. And then gradually, uh, since the 16th and certainly the 17th, 18th, 19th centuries, uh, people began to say, no, 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 we must read the Old Testament entirely as a self-contained book. We mustn't let the New Testament 
Testament shed light on it. And uh, Christ was eclipsed from a lot of the Psalms in those days. The assumptions underlying that were largely assumptions of unbelief. And uh, I think we need to push uh, back against that. But they have taken over much of the Old Testament academy. If you pick a, an academic Old Testament commentary off the shelves at random, you probably won't get any or, or, or more than a tiny bit of Christian um, content in it. And we want to say, no, the whole Bible is Christian scripture. It all speaks one way or another of Christ. Amen. That, that's a great answer. Uh, how did the Psalms help Christians to face challenging situations like the one that we're facing with, you know, this COVID virus? I, I, I was really struck. I, I, I was working for some lectures called the Keynes Lectures with Southern Baptist Seminary last fall. And I, one of the things I did in preparation was to study not only all the quotations of the Psalms in the New Testament, but as many as I could of the echoes of the Psalms. And it's really striking that again and again and again, you get fulfillment in Christ, but you also get an overflow from Christ to the church of Christ. And therefore, Psalms that speak of suffering and troubles and pressure uh, apply in fulfillment to Christ, but they overflow to us. And so the Psalms are ours in Christ. And again and again, we, we read Psalms and they speak of pressures and troubles and disease and weakness and fears and anxieties. And in Christ, the, the Psalms can shape us to not only to express those fears, but uh, to learn to, um, to, 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 to learn what it means to have faith in Christ and to belong to Jesus uh, in those times. I think the Psalms can be a tremendous help to us. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. I think of Psalm 46, you know, God is a, is a very present help in time of need. Uh, Psalm 18, God's ways are perfect and holy and just. Yeah, on and on we could go, and, and that connects to the high priestly ministry of Jesus, who is our is that help. That's just so wonderful to me. That, that's that's probably something I go back to almost every day, you know, uh, when, when I'm having a difficult day or a challenging situation. I just go back to that. I just preach that truth to myself and it, and it really does help. It helps to, to know, hey, that, that, that truth in the Psalms that I'm preaching to myself, that, that was fulfilled by Jesus. And yes. he is yes. that help. He is that. He is the one who is, is meeting that uh, for me uh, completely and entirely. It's interesting. Our senior pastor uh, preached on Psalm 46 uh, the first time we did the live stream uh, because of the lockdown and the virus for exactly that reason and it was really appropriate and comforting and encouraging for us. Mm, wonderful. What are some tips in reading the Psalms correctly? I, I sometimes work with, with a number of questions that I have in my mind. The first question obviously is what would it have meant to David or whoever first wrote the Psalm, depending on the Psalm? Uh, what would it have meant to an old covenant believer? I often think of Simeon and Anna at the beginning of Luke's Gospel, that little group of old covenant believers. What what would it have meant for them to sing a psalm? I think those are good questions to ask. I again and again find that I ask myself the question, what might it have meant for Jesus in his earthly ministry to have sung this psalm? Mm. And the answers will differ depending on the psalm, and they're not always easy, but it's often a good question to ask. But I always end up by asking, what will it mean for me as one of the people of Jesus to sing this with the people of Jesus? Mm. I think one of the tips that I've found really helpful is to 
to think of the Psalms slightly less individualistically and more corporately, something that we sing along with the Church of Christ in every age. Uh, and even if we're singing on our own or praying a psalm on our own, in principle, we're with the whole Church uh, of Christ down the ages. And that's a really, really good thing. I think another tip I found helpful is trying to let all the Psalms shape my praying. Uh, I suppose we all start probably as young Christians just picking bits of Psalms that resonate with us and it's a way in. But we really, it's not that I want to read the bits that resonate with me, it's that I want to learn to resonate with all the Psalms. I need to let the Psalms shape me rather than just picking the things I like. And so I try in my personal devotions to, to, to read through the Psalms each year. I, I read a Psalm for two days or three days, four days, depending on the length of the Psalm. 22 days for Psalm 190. <laughs> um, and I just go through the Psalms each year as part of my personal devotions. That's that's really good. I, I like to read the Psalms because I, I like the language of delight. I think if we caught that language more, we would see that God gave us a book and he delights over that book, right? And he yes. delights to us to, to read it, to, you know, Psalm 1 tells us that we're supposed to read the, the Bible and uh, that th- that helps us to walk in the way of the righteous. And so God gave us a book and it tells us the Psalms. I like to think about it this way. They tell us really about the story of the character of God. And and it's just a wonderful story. It, it You know, we, we see the psalmist lamenting, uh, experiencing difficulty, and they're just so real and honest and raw. So Yeah, yeah they certainly are. How, how do the Psalms help us see and know Christ better? Uh, one thing that's come through to me is the way in which the Psalms help us to understand the Lord Jesus in his suffering humanity. Mm. So that verse in Hebrews 5 speaks of him praying with loud cries and tears. And right from the beginning of the New Testament church, the, 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 the Christians have understood that the Psalms give us a window into the soul of the human Jesus of Nazareth mm. as he prays. And I found it very moving again and again and again to get some sense because the Gospels don't give us very much window into the Lord's soul. They tell us a great deal about his person and his work and his majesty and his his death for sinners, but not a great deal of, of, of windows into his soul. And the Psalms, I think, give us that most wonderfully and most movingly. So I think that's a particular way in which they help us to know Christ better. I, I, I'm struck that the world outside thinks that Jesus Christ is was human and that's it. In some Christian churches, people immediately think, well, Christ is God. And they forget that actually the Lord Jesus Christ is God made flesh with a fully human and a fully divine nature in one person. And I think the Psalms help us to understand him in his full humanity. Yeah, that's that's really good. I, I was just thinking, uh, as you were talking about the human emotion, uh, where, where we see this the most in, is in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, where yeah. he swe- uh, Luke uh, 22 tells us he, he was sweating blood and he experienced uh, deep soul anguish. Um, and that shows he, he didn't give up. You know, he didn't, you know, he, he did pray, Lord, uh, you know, if it's your will, remove this cut from me. But uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a giving up and it wasn't a disobedience to, to God, the Father. It was, he was experiencing a tremendous amount of suffering and he, he knew that what it cost. 
and he yes. still went he still went through with that and suffered for us even even in that and ultimately for us on the cross so. and i think the psalms help us to, to begin to plumb some of the depths of that suffering and to feel some of that suffering um as we as we enter into the psalms and some of the overflow of the sufferings of christ comes to his people according to romans 8 no, nothing compared with what the lord went through for us but we just begin to appreciate the wonder uh, of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me in the language of, of, of Galatians. And I think the Psalms really do help us with that. I, I've been struck, for example, Psalm 3, which where David keeps saying how many, how many, how many are his enemies. This tremendous sense of the king under pressure. Mm. And I'm sure that was true for David. Mm. It was supremely true for Jesus. So many all ganging up against him, watching him, looking for a full step, trying to trip him up, and you feel something of that pressure with him. I think it's a help when we Christians experience a bit of pressure, because you you and I probably don't have a great deal of pressure by comparison with most of our brothers and sisters in the in the persecuted church, but some of them have tremendous pressure. And I think something like Psalm 3 helps us to identify with them and to pray um, for them. Yeah, that that's really good. I mean, we have entire books. <laughs> you think of the book of James, you think of Hebrews, you think of First Peter. Uh, they're all written for for that reason, you know. Uh, James says in James one two, consider it pure joy, brothers, when you face various trials. Uh, the book of First Peter, written to elect exiles uh, sojourning. The whole book of Hebrews is written to a persecuted church and the, yeah. talking about yeah. the sufficiency of Christ, and you know, on and on we could go with that. So yeah, yeah. God knows what He's doing, and that's why He gave us a book to, yes. to tell us all about it. How, how do the Psalms help Christians learn to lament? Oh, there's a lot of lament in the Psalms. It's interesting that the Hebrew title for the book of Psalms is the word tehillim, which means praises. Mm. But actually, there's an awful lot of laments in the Psalms. I have found that one of the things the Psalms do is to shape my laments so that I, I learn to lament for what I should lament for. Mm. I naturally feel sorry for myself when things are difficult or disappointing for me, I lament. But you read a Psalm like Psalm 74, one of the Psalms clearly prompted by the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, sort of exile Psalm like Psalm 74, and you feel the depth of grief for the Church of God and for the for the grief uh, 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 of the church opposed by the world, and that helps me, and I think it probably should help us all to to learn to grieve for the persecuted Church of Christ. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Says the Lord Jesus to Saul in Acts and uh, Saul of Tarsus in Acts nine, and I, I, I learn to care more for the Church of Christ than I do for myself. I think that's one thing the Psalms uh, do. I think another thing the Psalms do is they, they teach us how to lament with hope so that we don't grieve as the world grieves. They, 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 they express depths of grief really passionately and they uh, it's almost like a painter with a richer palette of colours to help us to, to feel grief more richly and deeply but, but always with hope. Even Psalm 88 which is probably the darkest of all the Psalms there are uh, little, um, little windows of, of hope and by their context in the in the, in the Psalter as a whole, always there is there is hope. So I think the Psalms do a lot for our lamenting. And if we sang them more, it might reshape what we sing. I, 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 
don't know what your church is like, but in the UK here, what is sung in our churches is, um, I mean, our church, we sing some really good things, but often the songs that are written are, tend to be quite upbeat, uh, and we're not very good at having laments. Our, our music director in our church in Cambridge has written, um, he wrote a superb lament. We had a sermon series on the Book of Lamentations, and Matt McGregor wrote this wonderful lament that we sang every week in that series and it was it was a kind of song that made you want to weep for all the right reasons mm. and uh, I, I think the psalms can help us with with that kind of thing yeah here in america i would say our songs are by and large upbeat praising god extolling his virtues talking about christ or or some sort of thing like that i've been encouraged there's been a, a major book can't remember his name he's a pastor out of or indianapolis something about uh, dark clouds Deep Mercy, I think it is, by Crosswell. Uh-huh. And uh, a lot of people have connect, really connected with that book. And uh, it, it helps me. It helped a lot of people who don't even know what the language of lament is to to learn that, to learn to express their emotions to God in, in their deep depression and their anxiety and their fear. And I and I know I've been I was helped by that even even um, just reading that book just just to say hey Lord um, I'm praying the Psalms and but uh, the, these Psalms in particular help us to to just cast the, as Paul says in Philippians four to cast our anxieties on the on the or that's Peter First Peter five excuse me cast our anxieties on the Lord because He cares for us and I yeah. think the language of lament helps us to do that yes 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 and I think that's I think that's a good thing right now for people that are struggling they're wondering where's god in the midst of this and the language of lament helps us with that it helps us to say hey the lord does care he gave us these uh these laments for a reason like you said that gives us hope it's not just dire uh, uh down in the dumps kind of thing it's it's good news it's hope you know that that the uh you know david often failed in his in his life and his at his best he was real good but down when he failed man he did it spectacularly and um we we have the record of of the those emotions that he experienced during his life um, at as best and as worst. Sure. And th- th- there's a d- d- denying the depth of stuff doesn't lead to any real comfort. Uh, the-, the road to comfort leads through honest l- lament. And I think the Psalms really help us with that. So we end up with a with a solid, sure, certain hope rather than just to kind of make believe it'll all be fine in the end. Yeah, that's that's really good. Really good. How, how do the Psalms help Christians? worship the Lord. It's interesting how much of the Psalms is top-down, as it were. I mean, some of the Psalms is words that we speak upwards in prayer or praise to God. But there's quite a lot of, as it were, downwards from God to us teaching. I mean, Psalm 1 is instruction. Psalm 37 is instruction. There's there's quite a lot of that kind of language coming down to us. And so the Psalms teach us so much about the covenant God and his promises and his character. I remember preaching on Psalm 145 once and the tremendous um, instruction there really about the Lord's wisdom and power and goodness and deep theological things about God which are being grappled with so clearly in the Psalms. So they help us to worship the Lord because they they help to stop us making the Lord in our own image. We're all by nature idolaters. We're always tempted to shape God the way we feel God ought to be. And the Psalms um, placard before us the triune God as he truly is. And therefore, um, when we bow in worship, we are bowing before the, the 
the true God. So the Psalms are enormously important. Mm. I think it's no accident. It's very interesting in Ephesians 5 and uh, Colossians 3, those uh, Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, that the Greek words for, for Psalms, hymns, and songs in the, in the Old Testament, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, all three of those words mostly refer to Psalms. So Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs would mostly be the biblical Psalms uh, when you, you read the, the Old Testament, probably not exclusively, but mostly. And so they're really important for, for shaping our um, corporate worship. I suspect that in, 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 in many churches, the Psalms have effectively been lost. And uh, I think it's not only a tragedy, I think it's actually a contradiction to what Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3 imply we should be doing. So um, I think it's a tr- tremendous thing if we can begin to get them back into the mainstream of our, our life together as Christians. Yeah, that, that's an important point that you just said. It, I think it would correct a lot of the problems that we have with contemporary worship if we would just go back to the Bible itself and, and read our songs in the Word and not in our, oh, well, God, I had this experience of God. Well, our experiences are to be regulated and governed by the Word, not not by yes. what we, we think. And I think contemporary uh, music would, would do well uh, to heed that, to, to go back to the Psalms, to go back to the Bible and draw from the rich. There, there's 66 books for a reason. And, you know, we can draw from that and, and learn from that and, and sing that and declare it all to the to the glory of God, as you just said so well. So I think that's yeah. a really important point. Right. Well, Christopher, I know that you're not on social media, but uh, where can people go to find out about uh, about uh, your work and, and uh, the things that the Lord is up to in your life? Thank you, Dave. I'm a terrible dinosaur. <laughs> I was on Facebook and I'm not anymore. And I'm not on Twitter and I'm not on Instagram. And I think I have a lot more hours in my day as a result, actually. But uh, Kindale House, where I, I work, I'm writer in residence there. Um, St. Andrew the Great is the church where we belong. I'm part of the preaching team um, there. I used to work for the Proclamation Trust in London, uh, running the Cornhill training course. Uh, there's some things on their resources. I've spoken a couple of times for Alistair Begg at his pastor's conference, uh, The Basics. Uh, I gave these Geens lectures last fall at Southern Baptist Seminary. If I was a more thoughtful man, I would put resources all together on one in one place, but I haven't. So <laughs> if people want to find them, they'll just have to rootle around and uh, they're, they're, they're somewhere out there. Well, uh, you're definitely a thoughtful man, so I'm going dis- to respectfully disagree with you on that because I know you are, so and I appreciate that about you. So, um, well, there's a lot that we haven't uh, talked about on uh, in this conversation. Uh, just as we wrap up, can you give us a few takeaways, brother? I would love it if those listening, um, if, if, if you're listening to this and you don't at the moment pray the Psalms, uh, weave the Psalms into your personal devotions. Just take a Psalm a day or over a couple of days or three days, uh, read it, meditate on it, let it shape your life in the presence of God. That's probably the biggest one. And as you do that, remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that all the Old Testament uh, finds its fulfillment in Christ and uh, look for Christ. Mm. Look for Christ in the Psalms. Let your love for Christ 
be enriched and deepened as you read them. And if you do that, I'd be thrilled. Amen, brother. I, I would be too. I would be too. Well, brother, I, I so appreciate your time today. Your very thoughtful answers. Uh, thank you for being an encouragement and a blessing to me and, and to many people. So may God richly bless you. Thank you, Dave. And may he bless you in your ministry. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.